uh, our first internet connection was through Archie. If you want to enter uh, through the local college or local university server, and you couldn't really do anything with it unless you were doing like research. So then, once you actually got browser-based stuff, and this was so new, Dad went out and bought a book of like internet sites because we we weren't really sure as about how to find things you wanted to find. But this book was written with AOL in mind, so it was completely useless for us. <laughs> just, uh, just so you guys know, we are we are now live. <laughs> oh, <laughs> now we know. Now, now you know. Um, yeah, I thought I had a, a moment there to, to sort of jump in, but uh, that didn't happen. <laughs> um, okay, so so um, hello everyone. Uh, this is classic Elder Scrolls. Um, but I'm, I'm actually kind of excited about what we're talking about here. And, and before we go into any of our intro and, and what we're doing in Morrowind and with the Dark Elves and all that, um, you know, um, Mark, I want you to sort of maybe, you know, just kind of explain to everybody, you know, what it is that we're just literally now just kind of kind of talking about and thinking about maybe, maybe doing for Classic. Yeah. Uh, well, basically, I'm actually going to be getting my hands on a copy of Battlespire soon. And we were talking about maybe seeing if we can do something, because Battlespire is actually one of the first games, it's actually the first game in the series before ESO that had a multiplayer aspect available to it. Now, I believe it's all deathmatching. So what I wanted to see was if once I have that copy, I can somehow make an arrangement and we can figure out how to emulate it and get it, get a multiplayer game going between myself, Mike, and Avarwin. Jeez. I, I, so, yeah. I, I, hopefully everyone can hear. I'm, I'm sorry. This is... I, I can't control the volume of the music here. Um, I'm going to just skip past this whole thing. I'm sorry. Stand up. <laughs> okay, so go, you know, go ahead, Mike. Please continue. No, no, no problem. What's well, I mean, that, and that's just pretty much it. Is uh, like we'll have to find out if we can actually emulate the um, emulate the the server connections through DOSBox, and we'll see if we can get. Um, get the game otherwise you know we have to get it working on all three of our computers but if we can do that you know then we can find you know then we can play the oldest multiplayer in um no, in the elder scrolls you know emulating on a daggerfall engine so <laughs> the amount of crashes that will be there will be amazing but at the same time that it could be really fun it, it might be a wall humping good time oh yeah <laughs> And during the entire thing, at least one of us is always going to have to be going. What a simulation! But we have to give the you know the complete feel for what it would have been like back in ninety six, ninety seven. Um, this this is uh, this is Mark the Sonarist. Uh, we've got Mike right over there, the Tamrielic historian. Hello, Mike. Hello. Hello. And and I am I am a Varwin. Your your uh, your lead show host today. Uh, this is classic classic Elder Scrolls brought to you by the Quest Gaming Network. Available for download on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and QuestGamingNetwork.com. Uh, today's record date is Sundas, the eighth of First Seed, and our show, of course, is sponsored in part by Tweaked Audio, TweakedAudio.com. Headphones, thirty percent off, free shipping worldwide, free shipping from TweakedAudio.com. How do you do it? Well, you need our code. Off the record. All one word at their website, tweakedaudio.com. You can buy some awesome headphones, high-quality headphones. Sound sound coming out of it is fantastic. 
Uh, they'll get them shipped to you for free. You'll save 30% off when you use our code off the record. And by Audible. A-U-D-I-B-L-E. AudibleTrial.com slash Quest Gaming Network is the code you need in order to get your free book today. Uh, today is also sponsored by House Dress Employment Agency, guaranteed to provide you with workers who won't be leaving anytime soon. My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am I am your your host and fellow Tamrielic Traveler, and uh, this right here, Mike. Uh, if you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine, Darth, the Tamrielic Historian. Hello, everybody. And, uh, you know, hopefully everybody enjoyed the very late night stream last night of us filthy casuals. We are awake and fueled by coffee this morning. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Maybe a lot more. (laughs) Yeah, I've I've had, I think I've already had this. I'm ending my second cup now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And we've got the Sonarist himself, uh, one of the last of his kind, the man who barely survived the audio assault that is Clavicus Vile's voice. Mark! I hope everyone's having a good morning. Uh, I survived. Sadly, my computer didn't. So I've spent the last week getting a, getting a new one. Uh, no, not much better, but at least it's working for me. So eh, there we go. And, uh, and we are joined by our wonderful and illustrious chat room. Who who makes it out early morning Sunday every other Sunday just to say hi and to watch my game crash? <laughs> so hello guys, thanks for being here, and hello to you, our podcast listener, and our YouTube viewer. Somewhere on this video, at this particular point, should be a little thing that says "click to subscribe." I would love it if you would do that. Uh, it helps us out if you're if you're listening on on iTunes. Uh, hey, you know what? A review always helps out. A five star review helps out the most. Uh, we would we would love it if you can help us out in these these non financial ways. That is no cost to you, but means the world to all of us here. <laughs> hey, Varwin. Yes, sir. Uh, I think we should we should play our wake up uh, sound. You know, our alarm uh, clock. Oh right, yeah. Okay, this is this is uh. Who wakes up to this now? Is this uh? Is this just Mark? Wakes up this now. Is this Mike? Mike wakes up to this. Yeah, I, I think Mike. I think does, so. Yeah. Oh, I'm up. I'm up. I'm ready. I'm up. Five more minutes, mom. <laughs> and, and the best part is, you know, I, I thought that that was going to be the p- pinnacle of of the voice acting in uh, in Red Guard, and then I met Vile. And oh god, my teeth were aching. <laughs> my teeth were <laughs> aching. <laughs> I'm gonna have to rip uh, that off of YouTube to to make some sound bites for that one too. It oh god, yes, so definitely. <laughs> Mark's uh, Mark's fillings were rattling. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Um, I should probably tell everyone uh, where they can watch us and everything else like that, shouldn't I? Yeah, please. Okay, well, of course, they can always catch us live on every other Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at twitch.tv slash questgamingnetwork. And if they want to email us, which we love getting emails, they can do that at questgamingnetwork at gmail.com. And, of course, they can find us at questgamingnetwork.com, which wonderful site where we have tons of podcasts on a bunch of different types of games and shows and uh, also some games you can play on there yourself. And uh, if they want to follow us, which is 
which everyone should. They can follow us on Twitter at Elder Scrolls OTR, on Facebook at facebook.com slash questgamingnetwork, and on Google at google.com slash plus sign questgamingnetwork. And Mike, what are we doing today? Everyone sees we're in oblivion, but uh, why don't you let them know what we got what we got planned out for them? I don't I think they see that we're in oblivion. <laughs> we're in we should Morrowind. be seeing a dark elf on your on the screen here. Did I, I say believe. oblivion? So we're in Morrowind. Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> it's early. We know. It's early. Um, play the re- we are... play the Resmo sound again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> got to wake up of Arwen. <laughs> uh, hold on a second here. Wake it up! Wake it up! <laughs> so today we are playing Elder Scrolls Three Morrowind. Uh, Morrowind, previously known as. Hold on. As uh, Dwemerith, Volith, Resdane, and Dunmerith. Uh, is the province of the northeast corner of Tamriel, and it's dominated by the large island of Vardenfell. And it's the centerpiece of the Ashspoon uh, Red Mountain, and it also includes the territory on the continental mainland that uh, you might have experienced uh, during ESO. So, you know, hopefully, we'll have a good time here. Uh, today in our show, we will have a discussion topic, a history of the Dwemer, the Dunmer people. Uh, in the Sonaris Archives, Mark is going to talk about Dark Elf to Dunmer and the nature of lore. We have a fast question and an email. So what have we been doing this week in game, guys? Uh, well, I'm glad you asked. Um, I've been playing a lot, a lot of, of Elder Scrolls Online, and um, I have not... Uh, had a chance to really play any any sort of the classic games, um, so I'm actually I'm actually uh, really excited to to kind of take a break from from ESO and just sort of get into get into Marwind uh, today. What about uh, what about you, Mark? What have you been playing? Well, in Monday I had an absolutely amazing session of. Um of Redguard, got to uh, to meet the Daedric Prince Clavicus Vile, defeat the slowed Necromancer Nagasta, and got so far as killing a dragon. And you know, and it got found out everyone can kill a dragon. Don't know what all the foos is about. Uh, and apparently, that joke and Clavicus Vile's uh, voice killed my uh, computer. So um, yeah, that was fun. Uh, I got to play a little bit of one point six, and. Right after that, my computer died. Uh, Friday, I got a new one. It spent 28 hours downloading the pa- the updates for um, ESO again, and now it's. Uh, I got to play a little bit more last night and this morning, and yeah, now I just need to go back and get everything caught up in um, in Red Guard again. I have to go replay the game to get to where I had been. On the plus side, I've actually got the music working, so when we pick up next week uh, with Redguard, we will have access... I I will be giving the entire experience that uh, was intended back in uh, 98. Let me just just pick up the volume here for just a second, because, Mark, you're talking about Redguard, and I want you to sort of, like, hear hear this guy's voice here in in Morrowind, which came after Redguard. Ready? Here we go. This is where they want you. Head down to the dock and I'll show you to the census office. That sound familiar? Cyrus, why? Why, why are you working for the Imperials now? 400 years. Oh, God, he's immortal. Well, yeah, we see him again later. 
Mm-hmm. And then we see him working for the em- uh, for the emperor in the next game too. Yeah, he keeps going up in the world, you know. Oh yeah. First he's a pirate, now he's working for the emperor for the empire. Then he's a personal bodyguard. Oh yeah. No, well then again, you know, wouldn't you want to be the part the bodyguard of Patrick Stewart? You know? <laughs> yeah. Pretty sweet gig. <laughs> Oh, Jonathan Frank. Uh, yeah, Jonathan Frakes. Uh, uh, I bet uh, thought the same thing. Hmm. Mm. All right. So um, here we are in Morrowind, and um, I think the way we have it currently planned out is that this episode and the following two after this uh, will be based in Morrowind. Um, today we're going to take time to talk about the Dark Elves and the, the history of the Dark Elves and, and of Morrowind. Um, and so, as a result, I'm going to uh, create a brand new character, and uh, the reason why is because I want to I want to create a dark elf. Um, I never really, I never really make dark elves, and you know they they are one of the more versatile races, and I, I probably one of the more um, one of the more beloved races in in uh, in Elder Scrolls, um, not in Tamriel, of course, but. You know, I think because of the treatment in the have. hearts and minds of the fans, right? Exactly. Um, so I'm going to make a dark elf and and uh, kind of you know point out some some cool things, some some racial stuff that that these these guys actually get. Um, as as you know, as things go on. Um, but uh, but first, I think we should probably get into our discussion topic. Correct. Yep. All right. So um, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, so while Varwin is creating his character, Morrowind, a great game, but was it poorly handled? Uh, now, before the listeners get their pitchforks and torches out for Varwin, myself, and Mark, uh, we, we mean to say that, Avar, that Elder Scrolls III Morrowind is a great game. However, its appearance in Skyrim and the Elder Scrolls Online since has never quite hit our expectations. Solstheim was fun, but felt incredibly tiny, and the content seemed trivial. We get real close to Morrowind, uh, the sites seen in the game, and Elder Scrolls Online. But the areas of Stonefall and Deshaun were really depressing after a while. So what do we think that Bethesda and Zoss can do in the future to bring Morrowind to life and live up to our expectations? Ah, that's a good question. Um, everyone loved Morrowind just just so much, you know, and, and whereas Daggerfall... Um, is is uh, the second game in the series, but but actually launches a lot of the things that the series ends up taking on. And Arena is the first game in the series, but is is sort of alienated by by vast differences from the series that it. You know, it's really it's a map. A, exactly, it's a map. Yeah, it's a map. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and now all I can think of is rage when we were talking in Teamspeak. It's the map. It's the map. <laughs> <laughs> Morrowind just sort of ushered in um, an era for Elder Scrolls that that um, I don't think uh, the developers were ever expecting the series to go into. You know, um, it's sort of like if you're a Doctor Who fan, Morrowind was was um, you know maybe the new Who. Uh, you know, you're, you're Christopher Eccleston, you're your ninth Doctor. Um, it, uh, it it introduced the series to a lot of people who who didn't either know about it or care about it, and that's because it attacked um, the the RPG in in um, it, it was like a like a perfect storm. 
Um, it came out at the right place at the right time, the right technology. It was the right game. It was just different enough, just nerdy enough for us to say, hell yeah, finally, something I can sink my teeth into. Um, and we loved it. But we've gone back to Morrowind since, in, a, in an essence, uh, we've gone back to Morrowind um, since this game has launched in in Skyrim, in Elder Scrolls Online, um, and we've all been pretty much just sort of disappointed in, in the way that was handled. Um, you know, like like uh, Mike had said, Solstheim was, was really good. It was good, but it felt, you know, trivial and tiny. Um, yeah, the, I mean, the one area that I felt felt like what you see in Morrowind and the way it plays is when you just leave Raven Rock itself into the Ashlands to the um, east through that one uh, cave entrance there you have to go down and then come back up through the tunnel to get through the the barrier wall and by the time you get to um, the little the rundown fort with the ash spawn in it that area there is the only part that I really felt handles the, the feel of Morrowind any justice, I guess. Mm-hmm. And once you progress beyond that, it felt more like Skyrim. I mean, you know, the snowy cat peaks and, you know, the same kind of atmospheric uh, conditions. So, I mean, that's, yeah, literally, I mean, what, five minutes to walk through that area? Well, to be fair, also, that was sort of when we had last been in Solstheim, it was meant to be. Uh, more like Skyrim and less like Morrowind. So, yeah, it's 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 hard to make to make it really feel like the older one or like yeah. like Morrowind without completely <clears throat> abandoning what had made that island unique in the first place. But I do agree that yeah, they I mean they shrank it down to I'd say a third of the size that it had been, maybe a little more or maybe a little less. Um, and yeah, while I love the main quest line, yeah, a lot of the minor quests did feel pretty meh. You know, it didn't have the the epicness that you expected out of quests from Morrowind. Hmm. So, what do we think um, if if the series comes back to Morrowind? <clears throat> um, what do we think that uh, should should be there um, to sort of stave off our? Our expectations getting getting uh, dashed, I suppose. You know, what do we expect to see in a return to the land of of uh, Marwind and in future installments in the series? I would have to say that they need to really work on weather effects. Um, even though you know this is, game is much older than Skyrim and uh, definitely older than ESO, I think the weather effects in this game, like when you get to a point where you're um, north of um, Belmora, that you can pick up some of these ash storms where you literally can't tell what the heck's going on on your screen because the weather effects are just so intense. Oh, yeah. And I really think that, like, you know, when we walk through Stone Falls in ESO, the weather is very tame and mild um, compared to, you know, what you see here. And you're just as close to the Ash Mountain as you would be to Red Mountain in... Um, um, Vardenfeld here when we play Morrowind today. I mean, it's like, you know, being in Hawaii almost. Yeah, no. Um, actually, there's um, 
there's a set of really good mods for uh, for Skyrim that um, if you are uh, how, how to explain basically it, it changes how weather works with uh, with the ash storms and whatnot in uh, Solstheim and when there's an ash falling from the sky people's become covered in it like their faces get dirty and everything um, people uh, people start wearing kerchiefs you know to block their mouths mouths and everything and if you're not wearing a set of goggles your eyes start to water and makes it really hard to see yeah so and that's know, the one thing about the helms and in, in this game it you know, I, I hate wearing them because you can't see your face, but I, I definitely understand why they're made the way they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There so, would be no naked runs through uh, uh, <laughs> to, through stone falls if uh, it was Morrowind. Yeah, just keep smacking into things. <clears throat> I can't, where'd everyone go? Oh, God, they're cliff racers. <laughs> no naked runs, no. Um, I, I, I have to, I got to say, I think one of the things that they really need to hit on is is just simply uh, uh, making sure that it's not so so, so damn depressing and drab. Uh, the landmass, you know, the the environment. You go you go into uh, Deshaun and, and Stonefalls and Elder Scrolls Online, and, and I know it's not Morrowind. I know that. Um, for those of you saying, well, you know, it's more it's Morrowind, but it's not Vardenfeld. Yeah, right. That's my point. <clears throat> um, it's it's. Morrowind, but it's not it's not Vardenfell, which is where we are right now in Elder Scrolls, um, Elder Scrolls Three Morrowind. But I have a feeling that once we get into Vardenfell in Elder Scrolls Online, it's going to be just all of more of the same thing. It's going to be very brown, very depressing, um, and you know it's kind of cool being there. But at the same time, after maybe about you know five hours of questing, you're just like, oh god, really? Like I'm enough already with this. Mm-hmm. And you don't get yeah. that feeling when you actually play Marwent. And I think part of <laughs> how they deal with that here is, like, there's the different zones. Like, if you walk for a few minutes, you know, north of here, you're going to go to Belmora, and you're going to be close to, closer to Red Mountain. Uh, if you go uh, east from here, you're going to be going closer to Vivek. And so within this zone... There's, or within this game and on the map, there's a lot of different small zones with a lot of different small uh, weather patterns and different flora um, that really ESO did, I don't think it's done a really good job of dividing up the flora and the weather patterns uh, in their landscapes. So like, you know, when, one of the reasons I don't like going to Shadowfen is it's one giant swamp that doesn't feel like a swamp. You know, it's just missing something. Versus if you're in Glenumbra, you, they did a really good job there where you have the area near Daggerfall and um, the uh, the weird tree and stuff like that. But then when you head north to the moors, like it's a completely different feel to the area. And then you come out of the moors to another, to that area, to the far north, and it feels really different. So that, I think, is probably one of the best ones that they've done where it's three really good zones that it feels like within the zone. All right. Um, anything else, guys? Anything that, you know, we sort of maybe expect or you want to elaborate on any other points? I'd like to see uh, more of the great houses having effects in each of the towns, villages, and cities. 
when uh, if they uh, continue the expansion of the Morrowind area, Bardenfeld. Hmm. Yeah, no, I I'd actually like to see um, uh, I'd like to see the maps at like a little. How to how to say this? Um, I know what it is about Morrowind, but in a way, it, it feels larger than Skyrim is. Uh, and I know it's smaller than in um, than Cyrodiil is in Oblivion, but at the same time, I guess because of the variety of uh, of the different z- uh, zones that you go into in it, it did feel larger. So I yeah, I would like to see more of that uh, that larger feeling given to uh, given to the ga- given to it the next time we come back. So do you have to pick a name? Have you picked a name yet? Uh, Marius. M-A-R-I-U-S. That's, okay. That's what I got. I don't know. What do you guys think? No, that's fine. Yeah. You got a better name? I couldn't. That was the only thing I could come up with. <laughs> <laughs> I always use one of the house names. Um, and I'm never sure if I should put it as a surname or a, um, uh, a first name. You know, when uh, you create your character. Um you know, like Almalexia is uh, was actually Almalexia Indoril, and Nerevar is Nerevar Indoril, mm-hmm. and so I always add one of the great house surnames when I make a character. Okay. Um, how about Maris instead of Marius? Maris, like that. Maris uh, Indoril. I n d o r i l l. Um. I am I'm horrible at spelling. <laughs> I always look it up before <laughs> spell check for the yeah. win. Well, you know, Maris, that's fine. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, sorry. Um, Hilla Monkey in the chat. He says uh, fast travel makes the world feel smaller. Um, that's actually <laughs> that's actually one of the problems I have with uh, Morrowind. I don't find that fast travel makes the world seem f- smaller. I find that having the uh, the biomes flow into like they all if they seem too too alike one another it can make the world seem smaller the more drastic the change is you know the 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 bigger the world feels but just um if anything the lack of fast travel in or lack of easy fast travel in uh morrowind is one of the things that really aggravates me about the game but I'm sure sometime in the we will get into that I'm sure sometime in the next couple of episodes but I just wanted to to mention that Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Um. Yeah. That's really. I. I'd say that's uh, that's probably everything that you know. Uh, you know, you mentioned you mentioned how having the, the 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 main houses in in the game, and you know, I think that's something that they've got to hit on. Um, I would I would like to see, depending on the setting, of course, maybe a, a return to the Morag Tong story. Um, I think everyone would be su- would be happy, depending on how it's handled, uh, with with almost a a, a, su- uh, a successor in story to Morrowind in the next time we go back to to Vardenfell and the areas of Morrowind. Um, I think people would be excited about that. You know, let's what happened after after Elder Scrolls 3? How did how did everything sort of, you know, pan out? Yeah, I mean, I really actually like the uh, that plot line that you come across in 
uh, Dragonborn, where you do meet up, or, or like you find out that House Halalu, which they was my favorite house. I mean, you know, they had extremely imperial, you know, extreme imperial ties. They were almost shown as sort of one of the more progressive houses because they were open to be, you know, they were open to outside uh, to outsiders. They didn't see, you know, they didn't see uh, the dark elves as something that could stand on their own. They knew they needed. Uh, to be integrated and then you find out that basically because of what happened in the red year and everything that followed uh, the oblivion crisis they are just completely hated and despised because they were pro-empire and everything that came as a result of the imperial involvement just went so badly for the uh, the dark elves that you know the entire house is just you know it's on the out Um, okay. Mike, anything to add to, add to that? No, I think we're, you know, pretty good with what we'd like to, you know, see if they return to Morrowind, Vardenfeld area. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, so, so, uh, just to catch everyone up real quick, um, I, I did choose a dark elf. I went with a spell sword, um, and I chose the, uh, the lady as my, um, as my, my sign. Um, and, uh, that's basically it. Just to keep, keep, uh, get, catch everyone up. Okay, cool. All yeah. right. So, Good. so Mike, Hold go on ahead. Just one second. <clears throat> Sorry, I had to cough, so. Oh, it's all right. Caught it, caught it before uh, I coughed right into the mic, so that's a good thing. Uh, so today we're going to start with the history of, uh, it's quite a long one, so, you know, feel free guys to jump in, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, at any points that you want here. Uh, so, how would uh, you guys describe a Dunmer? Uh, are they a cursed people or a blessed people? Uh, do you think that perhaps they're nationalistic or xenophobic? Uh, sophisticated or barbaric? Narcissistic or esteemed? Dutiful lords or cruel slave masters? Uh, whatever you decide, uh, uh, how you view the uh, Dunmer people. Let's go through uh, the history, and perhaps it'll change your mind a little bit uh, think, uh, from all, what uh, all of that you is feel like true to an extent. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's very funny because you know, as uh, Mark and myself like to banter back and forth about the high elves. I mean, you know, as we play through uh, Morrowind here, we're going to see that uh, for as as arrogant as the high elves come across. The um, the true face behind the Dunmer is actually a lot worse, uh, but so many people love the Dunmer, and I don't know if it has to do with the fact that you know in ESO everybody plays a uh, Dunmer Nightblade staff wielding vampire, you know, uh, or if it's just the fact that you know Morrowind was the most one of the most beloved games of the series. Actually, it's funny that you should mention you know the. Um the high elf arrogance versus, you know, and, but when you compare that to, uh, to Dunmer in the first guide to the empire, there's this one line that basically the, the guide to the empire is written by an imperial as a propaganda piece. But then there in the margins, there are these notes by an, a Thalmor who's basically sending this along to try and try and convince his, his the higher ups that, um, Tiber Septim is a real threat to the old Mary dominion. Yeah, that you know that if they don't stop him now, he will conquer Tamriel. And when he goes to Morrowind, 
he has this in huge rant about how poorly he's been treated by the guards and how arrogant they are. And it's at the point that he says, despite everything, I can I cannot help but to, uh, to think that a season under human rule would temper Dunmary ar- arrogance to a most sal- uh, salutary degree. So they're so arrogant. You've got a Thalmor saying that, you know, it'd be nice if the humans conquered these guys for a while. <laughs> you know, so that doesn't put it in perspective. Yeah. Wow. So how did how did the Dunmer become the Dunmer is the first part of our history here today. Uh, perhaps no other people in Nern have been more influenced by the Daedric Princes than these Mer. Uh, so Boethia, the Prince of Plots, uh, through his illuminations... Uh, the eventual Chimer or Change Folk renounced all ties to the Altmer and founded a new nation based on Daedric principles. And that came from varieties of faith in the Emperor and to the Empire. Uh, physically, the Dunmer are an ashen skinned, red eyed Mer found mainly in the northeast area of Tamriel. But they were not always like this. Uh, the original Dunmer were the Chimer, a gold skinned Mer from the Somerset Isles. Uh, so they looked a lot like the Altmer would. Uh, now, uh, but the first issue that they ran into, uh, we find in the fall of Trinamac. During the Marathic area, a cult of Aldmeri descendants or dissidents abandoned the commonly accepted worship in the Somerset Isles and began following a young prop- prophet, Voleth. So, this is a pretty important person in the early stages of uh, Dunmer uh, history here. Uh, Boethia had been speaking to Voleth in in dreams and visions, guiding him to lead a new sect of Aldmeri with the belief that mortals could ascend to become gods. Trinimax priests condemned the new sect for blasphemy and threatened exile should they not abandon Voleth. Uh, and so this uh, group ended up uh, leaving, breaking away from the Aldmeri. Uh, but because of this effect of uh, Boethia's uh, speaking to him, he's not the only one. The Dunmer are not the, or the Chimer are not the only ones that uh, were created in this first rift of the Aldmeri people. Uh, the second rift would come uh, when uh, <clears throat> the followers of uh, Trinimax priests uh, were uh, cursed by. Uh, Boethia and became the orcs. But we'll get into those guys a little later in uh, our series here uh, of races. So, you know, first, you know, what strikes me um, immediately is, you know, you've got the Orsimer who who were basically turned because of their um, uh, devotion to Malakath. And the reason why I'm drawing, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing that out is because you would think. Um, the Dunmer would probably have something like that in their in their history, but it doesn't seem like that. Well, the um, the the thing with the, the uh, Malakath is that Malakath was created from Trinimac through um, you know the destruction of him with uh, by Boethia, and then you know his followers stayed true to that. Uh, but it's still all in this same little grouping of this activity that happened where the the Chimer left the Old Mary because of Boethia to follow the, her ways or his ways and uh, you know at the same point in time Trinimac's priests you know it's this conflict between Trinimac and Boethia that created these two groups 
Yeah, it, I always found it interesting that the the first step for the Dunmer appearing, it wasn't sort of like two separate races. It was more of a cultural, religious schism, yeah. as opposed to anything actually physically different around them about them. But then by the time we hit the uh, the second and third era, they're so physically different, you'd expect them almost to be a completely separate race to begin with. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll get into uh, how that happened, but yeah. yeah. And I think it's I think it's very interesting that <clears throat> a lot of people, you know, um, you know, don't think of this. That, you know, really, there's not much difference, you know, physically between the Chimer and the uh, the Old Mary or the Altmers. Okay, so before the ages of man, uh, in the late. Uh, late middle Marathic area, uh, it's the period of high Valethi culture. Uh, the Chimer ancestors of the modern Dunmer or Dark Elves were dynamic, ambitious, long-lived elven clans devoted to the fundamentalist ancestor worship. The Chimer clans followed the prophet, prophet Voleth out of the ancestral elven homelands to the southwest and settled in a land known as Morrowind. Uh, so part of the land known as Resdane will play a pivotal role in the evolution of the Chimer to the Dunmer. Um, so, from the Battle of Red Mountain and the rise and fall of the Tribunal, when the Chimer first abandoned the herds and tents of their nomadic ancestors and built the first great houses, we loved the, the Daedra and worshipped them as gods. But our brethren, the Dwemer, scorned the Daedra and mocked our foolish ritual and preferred instead their gods of reason and logic. So the Chimer and the Dwemer were always at bitter war, until the Nords came and invaded Resdane. Only then did the Chimer and Dwemer put away their strife and join together to cast out the invaders. Once the Nords were driven out, General Nerevar of the Chimer and the General Dumak of the Dwemer, who had come to love and respect one another, resolved to make peace between their people. In that time, I was but a junior counsel to Nerevar, and Nerevar's queen, Almalexia, and his favorite counselor, Sothasil, always doubted that such a peace might long survive, given the bitter disputes between Chimer and Dwemer. But ne through negotiation and compromise, Nerevar and Dumak somehow managed to preserve a fragile peace. So, from the point that uh, they left the Somerset Isles, to this point here, uh, we're still in the Marethic era. Era, so you know, this is before First Era um, or during First Era that uh, a lot of this stuff is going on. Uh, so you know, we have two clans of elves that have left Somerset that are setting up uh, in this northeast region of Tamriel. Uh, they're at war once again for political, uh, religious conflict, and. Um, the uh, only thing that uh, binds them together is uh, common foe being the Nords that are invading. That's the whole tribunal right there. <clears throat> with um, now, I mean that that's that basically set up all of, that sets up um, that sets up Elder Scrolls Three. Yeah, know? I mean this is yeah. this entire little middle section here is all the setup for um, you know the conflict that comes to a resolution here in in Elder Scrolls 3. Um, and so we have this long-standing peace between the uh, Dwemer and the Chimer. Uh, and we see parts of this kind of conflict in ESO 
there's uh, a couple of quests where the needs and the chimer, you have to go back in time. Uh, and it's also, I think, part of the Brothers of Strife quest um, that, uh, you know, shows how this, how the conflict between uh, the needs and the myrrh really, um, you know, kind of bound the two peoples together. Uh, but then uh, from the book Nerevar at Red Mountain, until Dagoth Ur arrived, House Dagoth had discovered the source of the profane and secret power of the, Dw- of the Dwemer, the legendary heart of Lorcan which Dumac's people had used to make themselves immortal and beyond the measure of the gods. In fact, one of their high priests, Kagernak, was building a new god so that the Dwemer could claim Resdane for their own. So, um, we can see through this here that uh, the peace between the Chimer and the Dwemer uh, really, you know, was kind of a ruse. Um, and Kagernak was building the uh, brass god that... Uh, is so pivotal in a lot of points throughout uh, Tamrielic history. Oh, yeah. The Numidium is, it's one of those things that shows up and has such far-reaching uh, effects throughout the rest of the series. I mean, it's it's the focus of, um, it's how this empire was formed or finished. It was how, it's the focus of Daggerfall. It, I mean, there's so many places where the Numidium and the Heart of Lorcan show up. It's just... It's one of the most important things in the entire series. Um, and actually, what you were saying about uh, about it being a ruse, I think that there are other books that suggest that uh, Dumac, King Dumac didn't realize what Kagernak was doing. So, yeah, so it's a lot of Kagernak and his followers that are really... Yeah, yeah, pulling the wool over everyone's eyes. Yeah, and he felt, Dumac felt betrayed first by Nerevar when Nerevar came and started accusing him of fooling with the heart and everything. And then, of course, he finds out that Kagernak betrayed him. And just in my head, I've got this image. I don't know if either of you have seen The Room, but there's this line, Everyone betray me. I fed up with this world. And I just picture Dumac saying that, and then that's when the Dwemer disappear. <laughs> Drops the mic. I'm out of here. <laughs> the heart of I'm Lorcan. Taking everyone with me. It's uh, it's definitely something that that is uh, this this. There's certain things that happen in in Elder Scrolls that shape the entire that shape the entire game series. Um, the Numidium, the heart of Lorcan, um, the um, the slave queen. Yeah, well. and it's you know it's felt throughout the game, and you know has far-reaching things. Boethia and Trinamax's conflict. I mean, you know, two new people are are produced from that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, can you imagine what the like how the world would be different if Morrowind didn't flesh out the Numidium and explain the heart of Lorcan and thus lead to the Tribunal? I mean, can you or how the world would be different if you didn't have Alicia, the Slave Queen? I mean. The game world itself changes so much and becomes so rich because of these different events and the ripples that they cause. Correct. I think that's the important key word right there is the ripples. You know, that uh, there's so much change by so many people uh, from just one small event. What well, I don't know if it's a small event, but, you know, an event that we don't really get to experience. Uh, so yeah. then... Uh, we have Nerevar, the Red Mountain, 
So then Nerevar told his queen and generals all that had transpired under Red Mountain and how the Dwemer had used special tools to turn their people into immortals and the wondrous power of the heart of Lorcan. The tribunal decided that the Chimmer should learn how to use this power so that Nerevar might claim Resdane and the world for their people. Nerevar did not expect or want this. He asked his queen and generals to help him summon Azura yet again for her guidance. But the tribunal had become as greedy as Kagernak upon hearing of the power of the heart, and they coveted it. Aha. Uh-huh. So they made ritual as if to summon Azura, as Nerevar had wanted. But Almalexia used poison candles, Sothasil used poison robes, and Vivek used poison inv- invocations. Nerevar was murdered. Then Azura came forth anyway and cursed the tribunal for their foul deeds. She told them that she would use her powers over dusk and dawn to make sure that Nerevar would come back and make things right again. And this last little paragraph here, then Azura, starting with then Azura, is really the the setup for the game that we're playing today. So the um, in Elder Scrolls 3, Morrowind, it's all about the... Nerevarine character uh, who is the reincarnation of Nerevar Inderel. Okay. So then uh, if we continue on here, the Battle of Red Mountain, Rise and Fall of the Tribunal. For some years we kept the oaths we swore to, swore to Azura and Nerevar, but during that time in secret Sothasil must have studied the tools and their divine mysteries, and at last he came to us with a vision of a new world of peace, with justice and honor for nobles, and health and prosperity for commoners, with the tribunal as immortal patrons and guides. And dedicating ourselves to this vision of a better world, we made a pilgrimage to Red Mountain and transformed ourselves with the power of Kagernak's tools. And no sooner <clears throat> that we had completed our ritual and began to discover our newly found power, the Daedra Lord Azura appeared and cursed us for our forsworn oaths. By her powers of prophecy, she assured us that her champion, Nerevar, true to his oath, would return and punish us for our perfidy. And to make sure such profane knowledge might never again be used to mock and defy the will of the gods. But Sothasil said to her, The old gods are cruel and arbitrary, and distanced from the hopes and fears of the myrrh. Your age is past. We are new gods, born in the flesh, and wise and caring to the needs of our people. Spare us your threats and chiding, inconsistent spirit. We are both flat, we are bold and fresh, and we will not fear you. Then, that that might have been a mistake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then in that moment, all Chimmer were changed into the Dunmer, and our skins turned ashen, and our eyes into fire. Of course, we only knew at that time what had happened to us, but Azura said, It is not by my act, but by your act. You have chosen your fate, and the fate of your people, and all of the Dunmer shall share your fate. From now to the end of time, you think yourselves gods, but you are blind, and all is darkness. And then Azura left us all alone in darkness, and we were all afraid. But we put on brave faces and went forth from Red Mountain to build the new world of our dreams. So there is a, a, a similar story to the Orsimer and, and uh, Malakath to to the uh, the Dunmer here. They do have a similar story. Yeah. So once again, it's. <clears throat> It's not that they were, you know, they've been cursed by one of the Daedra that, uh, you know, they were following. Uh, in the case of the Orsimer, with them following Trinimac, who became Malakath, 
uh, you know, in this case here, the worship of Azura and then uh, going back on their oath, cur she curses the entire race to, you know, have their new features to lose their golden skin and, you know, to have their gray-colored skin with the red eyes. Right. And, you know, what's funny is um, earlier you had you had mentioned, uh, you know, when this was going on that someone was going to come back. Um, and that's 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 someone that you you actually play in in the game. Um, yes. The prophecy of a person, you know, coming back to, I guess, hold the, the tribunal accountable, uh, which is basically how I understood. It. I don't know if I'm I'm right on that. Yeah, no, yeah, that's that's, that's uh, exactly. Yeah. Um, you are the Nerevarine, the reincarnation of Nerevar Indoril, um, as Azura's champion coming back, you know, after thousands of years. And you, you see these people, uh, the, the tribunal, in Elder Scrolls Online. They, you, you get quests from, um, I think it's Amalexia during the uh, Ebonheart Pack quest line. Yeah. Yes. Which I very much appreciated. Yeah, no, and they were very good quests. I mean, it was interesting to see this character who, she, you know, this is sort of midway through the character's existence, as opposed to the one that we see at the end where she's kind of gone insane with fear. You know, and when we when we meet her in Morrowind, she's, you know, she's been hiding because she's known Dagoth Ur is coming and her powers have just been bleeding away. And she's also afraid what will happen when the Nerevarine appears. So it, it's a nice contrast between the two of them. Is Very that, powerful Mother Morrowind in ESO versus uh, borderline lunatic. Is that what made her? Is that what drove her crazy? Now, Amalexia was the, the wife of Narevar, right? Yes. Okay. So basically, she was afraid of her husband coming back to destroy her. Yeah, and they hadn't been able to reach the heart to sort of recharge their powers for centuries at that point. So they were getting weaker, and Ur was getting stronger. So, you know, her and Sothisil gave up on even um, keeping the ghost fence that prevented uh, the, the corpus disease from just spreading over without without stop being able to be stopped. They, they should, the two of them just stopped even trying to keep it uh, to upkeep it. Leaving the entire thing to Vivek, so or Vivek, so it, it's it, again, it's interesting to just watch how the character eventually just falls into despair, knowing just her end is coming, and you know, being so afraid of not being able to do anything about it. Pretty much accepting her mortality. Yeah. That you know, for thousands of years, she's reigned as you know. A godlike being, and uh, so yeah, it's really nice to see her in ESO, in that state of still very powerful, very vibrant, very, you know, you know, what you would expect from reading in the books. And we're gonna meet um, one of the other tribunal members when um, the Clockwork City drops. Uh, at least I'd assume we will. I mean, you know, why would you drop the Clockwork City and not? Include uh, exactly. Yeah. So, and hopefully he. Uh, I tweeted out some pictures. An artist did a rendition of Sothasil uh, as an early Sothasil, where he's not uh, just a head on a uh, suspended uh, Dwemer body, you know, like he is at the end of uh, Morrowind here. 
So hopefully, you know, we see him in an earlier stage of uh, his uh, modification. Yeah, maybe halfway there. Yeah. Oh yeah, no. I mean, it's it's in, one of the things I always found fascinating about the tribunal is that you can understand why the um, why the Dunmer were so arrogant and everything. I mean, they lived with their gods, and you had these three gods that just. There may, oh, congratulations of Arwen getting that guy finally. <laughs> you know, I, I'm I'm sort of um, I'm just playing the game to to kind of like get a, a feel for you know um, the spell sword class here, and um, you know what what my what the likelihood of me failing at spells and which spells uh, I, I'll fail at and all that. So I'm I'm just sort of like you know playing playing the game just. Not really with a mind to to succeed in what I'm doing, just sort of like testing my limits, I suppose. Yeah, feeling how it works. Yeah, so if it's if it's frustrating for to see me die so many times, I I really apologize. But I'm just trying to figure out, you know, how spell swords work. In yeah, it doesn't get really oh, yeah. good and for. Um a couple of levels. It's the one thing I was very frustrated. I've got about 26 hours into this new character and uh, it's only in the last, I don't know, 10 hours that I've really felt powerful enough to actually do a damn thing. Yeah. Um, That is one of the things I've always, I've always noticed about Morrowind is that it does, it takes a while for you to even really feel competent at what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. um, you, You just have to dump points in uh, to whatever it is that you're going to be doing, whether it's, you know, if you're going to be using the bow or the sword or magic, you just, you mm-hmm. know, keep doing it until you can't do it anymore and then, uh, you know, dump those points in. One of the most frustrating things that ever happened is that um, there, in this game, if you're hit with a melee attack with like, um, uh, there's always a chance that you can get knocked down and enemies can just wail on you. Yes. Um, and it especially happens if they're using hand to hand. And just, I was fighting this mage, and the moment he would run out of magic, which he would do very quickly, any other mage would pull out a, a knife or something and start attacking you. And I'd rather he did that. Instead, he came up, fists flailing, and just started smacking me. And I wasn't, I was playing a magey type character, so he kept knocking me down, and it would take like five minutes for him to beat me to death. And the moment I would stand up, he would knock me back down. I couldn't even turn to try to hit him again. <laughs> it was just, you know, it was just one of those super frustrating things about the game that you know that can be there. Just this, you know, you can so you can get easily stun locked in it. Yeah, which um, has has already happened to me a, a little bit here and there. Um, now the one thing I've noticed, if you're playing a spellblade before the next episode, we should get you that. Uh, we should go on to Nexus and get you some mods. Um, there's a um, a um, Magicka regeneration mod that gives you, I think it's one percent regeneration over time, and it's not fast. It's not enough, like you know, what you would get in ESO or anything like that. But it, it definitely keeps you from having to go to sleep just because you've you know failed casting three fireballs. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so you know that has been a, a game changer for me playing this game because I was getting so frustrated where, you know, you'd ca- try to cast fireballs or healing spells and you'd, you know, fail, fail, fail and then you'd have no magicka and you'd still had to, you know, then had to pull out the knife and hope that you survived the uh, the encounter. Right. Yeah. I'm wondering here if um, if uh, 
block is one of my one of my major skills here. I saw a lot. Yep, it is. I saw a long blade on there in destruction. I was like, okay, yeah, let's go with the spell blade on this one because I think that'll highlight some of the some of the cool stuff about a dark elf. Um, but yeah, block is part of my major skill, so I'm gonna grab the shield here as long as I got that. Oh yeah, you know I have a short sword and shield and. Yeah, you, know, you can't actively block like you would in Skyrim or ESO, where you'd hold up the shield. But it does it for you, and uh, definitely helps having that extra armor. I'm sort of mm-hmm. fine with that, to be honest. I, I I really enjoy the one of the things I do enjoy about Marwind is the the old RPG feel. Yeah. Um, the natural in the stream says, Barwin, you should turn on God mode if only for the sake of the stream. Yeah. <laughs> oh, are they really frustrated? Yeah, they guys. He's, you lose the feel for the game, though. Yeah. You're doing oh, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry, guys. I, I, I don't mean to... I saw someone in there, they were like, you know, using touch spells at range is a, is a bad idea. And, you know, I, I I didn't even know that the spell I was using was a, was a touch spell at first. I, I was kind of testing the the limits on that one, too, trying to figure out what that what that is. Yeah, again, you're you're finding out how the, this particular class works. So, yeah. you know... No problem with that. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, quick save. Um, so back to uh, <laughs> yes. back to Mike. The uh, our, our history here of of uh, Marwind and, and the Dark Elves. So we're gonna cover the great houses and the uh, political geopolitical nature of uh, the Dunmer people in a, a future episode. Um, but I want to, you know, pretty much go on to uh, the Neverine cult uh, notes um, that, you know, centuries are going to pass where after the events in Red Mountain and, uh, you know, the Almalexia and the Tribunal are going to, you know, be ruling Morrowind. Um, but change is in the air. The Ashlanders, who are a subset of uh, Dunmer who aren't part of the Great Houses, uh, this Ashlander religious cult follows the prophecies of an Erevar reborn to honor the ancient prophet promises to the tribes, to reestablish the traditions of the prophet Voleth, to cast down the false gods of the tribunal, and to drive all Outlanders from Morwen. Both temple and empire outlaw this cult, but it persists among the Ashlanders despite imperial and temple repression. So we're going to meet some Ashlanders in the game, uh, and uh, you know we're going to find out more about this Nerevar cult and the Nerevar prophecies. And so this brings us up to the actual events here in Elder Scrolls Three. Uh, the um, now, now, Mike, uh, um, you you plan on you plan on doing that in uh, in another in another uh, episode? One of the great houses and uh, the geopolitical. Uh, Aspects is what we'll do in one of the future episodes. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, just because I'm looking through this notes and it's already we've already been going an hour here, and the uh, great houses and geopolitical probably could take us another forty minutes or so. Yeah, so I said you know we'll cut that and uh, yeah. we can talk about oh, that. Uh, stream dropped for a second. Um, crap. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty common. About an hour in and we drop. Yeah, figures. Um, Play the elevator music. Oh, we've got someone in the chat saying that it's uh, ve- uh, sorry, Veloth, not uh, sorry, Veloth, not Voloth. Have I been saying Voloth, or is it just coming out? Uh, you, you've been saying Voloth. Oh, okay. Uh, I just this is what happens when I stay up until three in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
you know what happened was uh, I don't know I, I'm sure the the podcast listeners had caught the uh, the audio <laughs> distortion that that I heard, um, but the fact is is that um, Marwin crashed. <laughs> <laughs> So I gotta I gotta get back into the game. Um, hopefully, um, yeah. So <laughs> hopefully we'll uh, we'll be able to to recover on that. So so give me a second here. Um, it should be just double check the stream for me. Okay. No, I'm I'm keeping an eye on it. Yeah, we yep, should the be back chat room up is now. still running, so yeah. the stream hasn't come back up yet. It hasn't. Naravar Talvani says Degoth got the stream. <laughs> yeah, that's actually not good because um are you, you sure there's there's they can't hear anything on on the stream. Cuz uh it was yeah. telling me that we were I was broadcasting. Yeah, it says offline right now. All right. Okay. Um Jeez. Okay, broadcast. Let's uh, let's go back and and uh, redo the redo the broadcast, I suppose, or you know, re uh, restart that is what I mean. Yeah. All right, here we go. So, all right, it's telling me we're we're back up um, on XSplit. So just uh, I guess refresh your Twitch page. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Still says we're offline. Really? All yeah. right. So, so I'm blaming Wham on QG and uh, Bumper here. <laughs> All right. Just let everyone know that um, we're going to uh, we're restarting uh, XSplit and and uh, okay. sorry for the podcast listeners for for going through you know all of uh, all this this insanity. Um, you know, it's been just to, just to sort of take a sidestep here and sort of explain, like, why QGN's been having so many problems lately. Um, it seems like there's we've, we've got kind of like a dual or, or a, a trifecta going on. Um, number one, my, my broad, my uh, bandwidth has been very, very bad lately. And it's, it's my entire area is experiencing some, some really bad lag. Um, we've had our uh, internet service provider come here and try and do what they can, but there's only so much work that these guys can do when we've got tons of snow out there. Um, the flooding in our area is ridiculous because of all the snow, and we think it's affecting the, the internet lines. On top of that, um, t- Twitch has been having problems too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Um now, oh, now, wait, here we go. I yeah. think we're going live. I got a yeah. commercial. Uh, yeah. A Taco Bell commercial. Oh, we love Taco Bell. <laughs> do, do, do we? Are, are we getting... <laughs> <laughs> All right. So so the the broadcast seems like it's it's going to be up again, which is good. Yeah, and it looks like it's working now. Very good. And uh, let me just get back into the... <laughs> That's awesome. So, so Marwin crashed. And then it, it just caused this huge, huge conflict with um, with uh, XSplit. Nice, <laughs> isn't that great? Um, had this been had this been a full internet drop, you know, we would have we would have said that obviously, but yeah, yeah, we still had uh, Skype going and voice recording, so it wasn't a full internet, right? Um, hmm. 
Okay, quick save is my latest my latest gameplay here. Uh, looks like the stream's got everything going. All right. Um, yep. Yeah, we are good. We're back up. So, uh, podcast listeners, I do very much apologize for that drop. Um, I don't think our, our viewers on on, uh, on YouTube have, have noticed much of a change. Hopefully, the, the editing will reflect that. Uh, so, without any further ado, please, uh, Mike. Okay, so this brings us to the events uh, of Elder Scrolls Three Morrowind. Uh, with these events came the eventual downfall of the Tribunal, which will also cover the Tribunal itself in a future episode. Um, so, you know, we've got you know some topics to keep uh, the listeners coming back for here. Uh, the Red Year. Uh, so, in the history of the people of Morrowind, the Red Year is, you know, in modern times, one of the most important aspects of uh, affecting the Dunmer. Uh, so, from the book, The Red Year. All the noise around me stopped. The normal things one hears as they travel, like the sounds of the wind blowing through the treetops. It was just deathly quiet. I felt a tingling sensation all over my body as my guar began to stomp around. Whatever it was, it was driving him crazy. As I tried to get him under control, there was a massive explosion from the center of the city. I saw the cantons fall apart before I was knocked off my feet. Then I remembered the ground starting to rumble. It lasted for a long time. And it reached into the distance, as if directed towards the center of Vardenfell. A few minutes later, the Red Mountain erupted, sending a huge cloud of fire into the sky. My Patguar had long since fled, and I decided to do the same. I never stopped running until I reached Narsus. I asked him if he knew what had happened to Vivek City. I didn't hear until much later that the Ministry of Truth had struck the heart of the city. What I do know for certain is that many Dunmer lost their lives that day and that Vivek City is no more. So this is the events that uh, happen after the what's going on here in Morrowind. I was um, going to say tribunal. That, that that must have that so that happened after Morrowind and uh, the the tribunal DLC because Vivek is is very much a place that you can you can go to it's a thriving city. It's, yeah. It's yeah. Um, so if you read the um, the two books, and here's you, here you go with your Audible ad. Uh, if you uh, get the Audible, you can get the um, two Elder Scrolls books. Um, the uh, um, uh, what's hold on, I got them right here. <laughs> uh, Lord uh, Lord of Souls, Lord of Souls in the Infernal City. Yep, there yes, you go by Greg Keys. Um, they uh, they talk a lot about what has happened here. Uh, after Elder Scrolls 3 Morrowind where um, this large mountain planet moon thing is being suspended over Vivek City uh, and um, when the uh, tribunal loses their power that it continues full velocity crashing into Vivek City triggering the Red Year um, destroying Vivek and causing the eruption of the Red Mountain yeah, apparently it was actually thrown by uh, um, everyone's favorite. Chirora. Yeah, <laughs> he, he basically. I guess it was sort of like, oh, you think you're gods, do you? Well, catch. <laughs> yeah. Now you know the only thing is, is that if it's a moon, I wonder if it was made of cheese. You know what? <laughs> that, I think that that was a that was something that they missed. That was just a completely missed opportunity. I think so too. Yeah. So then from uh, Lemdrin's Telva- yeah. 
Tenvani's journal. Uh, after surviving the Red Year, struggling to dig from the ash and rubble and burying thousands that had died. Is this to be our epitaph? The irony of our demise glows brighter than Masser on the summer solstice. We brought this upon ourselves. The Argonians simply answering a rallying cry incited by a millennia of suffrage imposed by my kind. And so here I sit in the crumbling basement of our family home while a thousand, thousand booted feet echo above me and the screams of the dying find their way to my ears. And so falls House Telvani. Uh, so we can see, you know, the, after the red uh, explosion at Red Mountain, we have another new onset uh, that assaults the Dunmer people, and that is the uprising and retaliation by the Argonians that they had enslaved for so many years. And it's actually funny that we brought this on ourselves. That is, it even goes beyond that, because if the tribunal had never become gods, Shagarath would never have thrown the... Uh, the, the moon at them if he had never if that had never hit they would have had a much you know they wouldn't have already been in dire straits when the Argonians attacked it's also possible that if they had never accepted uh, imperial rule under the terms that they had accepted they would have had their own standing army and maybe been able to fight back against the Argonians uh, and the uh, the incursions of the danger during the oblivion crisis so yeah, basically, their complete collapse following Morrowind, it pretty much comes down to things that they themselves, decisions they themselves made over centuries finally coming to a head and just all in the one year. Yeah. And, you know, they said, you know, they, with the Argonians there, when they were just the Chimer and just, you know, the wandering tribes, you know, they didn't have slaves, and it's not until the great houses come that they have slaves. And then when they take on, you know, imperial rule, part of their treaty to become part of the empire allows them to be the only province that continues to have slaves for centuries. So it's like, you know, the Ebonheart Pact is, you know, kind of a, a fantasy thing that happened for a, a very short amount of time compared to the centuries of enslavement of the Argonians. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense because, you know, at the time, because one, if you release the Argonians and have them in the pact, you, one, have another force that's willing to fight, uh, you know, to actually fight and take the enemy head on. And two, you don't have to worry about a slave revolt yeah. or the Argonians in the south taking advantage of you being in the middle of a war to cause a slave revolt or even teaming up with the invading serpent-like Akaviri. So, who... Yeah. It was a dagoth Ur who was the um, antagonist in, in Oblivion? Uh, they, no, it was um, Dagon... That? Sorry, Mehrun's Dagon. Mehrun's was, Dagon. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's the... Uh, the <clears throat> um, uh, god of schemes, right? Uh, no, that's Baal. He's the god of destruction. Yeah, but Mehrun's Dagon, he's the he's the one in charge of of overthrowing um, the powers that be, so to speak. Well, I mean, complete destruction of everything, I guess, is the you know overthrow of everything that yeah. is. Uh, um, Dagoth kind of... is the 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 guy here who's trying to overthrow basically everything and take over the take over all of Tamriel and beyond. Um, 
it's Molag Bal who's basically trying to absorb everything, and Dagon, and Dagon just wants everything destroyed. All right. <clears throat> Maybe I, I, I must have misunderstood that then, because I thought that um, um, Mayrun's Dagon was, was sort of like the, the, the guy who's going to, you know, tip down, uh, to create chaos. Uh, for its own sake, just to tip the balance of power, because, you know, power has existed um, with a particular group for so long, so he, he just steps in. He's like, hey, you know what? Uh, that's what I feel like doing today. And I, 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 I kinda, think that is in his wheelhouse. Yeah, I think he changes part of what he does. Yeah. Um, so... that Maybe that's where I'm getting that from, then. Maybe that just happens to be a part of, you know, in his, in his sphere. And I, I'm sort of wondering if, if maybe his influence... Is is being felt here? Um, is there anything that explicitly says, you know, Mayrun's Dagon got got really aggravated with um, the the Dark Elves, and he's just like, ah, you know what, guys? In one year, I'm gonna I'm gonna you know you're you're on the top. In one year, you're gonna be on the bottom. Yeah, I haven't seen anything about that, but that's a yeah. really good, uh, you know. Uh, I haven't either, but actually, now that you mention it, the the real woes of the Dunmer really start with the Oblivion Crisis because the Imperials, uh, the Imperial Council, calls back all the legions, and the terms of uh, the treaty that they had to join the Empire uh, said that they couldn't have their own standing army. So all of a sudden, they had no, you know, they had no, uh, pe- you know, no military. They get attacked, you know, to defend them against the invading forces of Oblivion. Uh, that Dagon sent in. So that happens. They're really badly hurt. The Red Year happens. They're really badly hurt. The Argonians happen. So, yeah, Dagon pretty much really does start their, uh, their collapsing in on themselves. You got to figure that, you know, the majority of the forces that they do have, the, was it the Orinators or the yeah. Orators? I mean, mo- that's a para-religious military organization. So it's not a standing army. Uh, and, you know, if your gods have abandoned you because, you know, they aren't really gods anymore. You know, two are dead yeah. and the third one's already uh, already running pretty low on his juice. So, yeah, you're not going to, uh, you know, those people are going to lose faith. They're going to, you know, drop like flies. So, yeah, you have no military at all left. So, yeah, I just gave so, this guy 100, uh, 100 drakes to to leave uh, Satanine and he gave me um, a cursed ring. Damage health 10 points on self. Fortify athletics 5 points for 60 seconds on self. (laughs) (laughs) Did I get my money back? (laughs) 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 Off to Balmora. Um, Alright, so... So So after uh, all of this horrible stuff that has happened to the elves, uh, you know, where did they end up going? So this brings us to, you know... The modern times uh, or contemporary times in Skyrim, fourth era. Um, so, in it's the decree of monument, and anybody who has gone up by Windhelm uh, to the far northeast, uh, where the road ends, there's a rune tower, and there's a decree of monument in there. Uh, and it says this tower once served as a meeting place where those brave souls who achieved safe passage to Skyrim find loved ones and leave notice to others who could not be found. Let it stand in honor of those who had the strength and spirit to accept Skyrim's offer untithe to any thane or hold and self-governed with free worship with no compen- com- yeah, 
compensation to Skyrim or the Empire except as writ in the armistice of old. Wheresoever those who might still apply, and henceforth let no man or mer say that the sons and daughters of kind are with us mercy or honor. We, the Jarls of Skyrim, hereby decree this site as a monument to the struggles of those who fled their native home of Morrowind in the time following the Red Year. So, Skyrim was one of the largest refugee points for the, the Dunmer people after the Red Year. And we see that they end up, you know, re-inheriting Solstheim and, uh, you know, have fled throughout the Empire. Yeah, they sort of scattered. So, yeah, so a lot of people, you know, are very, uh, you know, sympathetic, I guess, to the Dunmer because they come from Skyrim, or you know, the Dunmer are very loved because they played Morrowind. Um, but you know, the the people themselves throughout most of their history are not the nicest people. No, oh, yeah, no. I mean, at the end, they're extremely sympathetic. But yeah, I mean, for the longest time, they. They kind of got what was coming to them, you know. It, it, but at the same time, did they get maybe more than they deserved? It's an interesting thought, especially when you consider the history of of you know the Dunmer and the events that lead up to Morrowind. Um, and then, and then you you got to ask yourself, well, where could the series take this? into Elder Scrolls 6 or possibly 7 or or um, eventual updates for Elder Scrolls Online. Uh, where, you know, I mean, Elder Scrolls Online really wouldn't be able to do anything with that because, you know, the, that happens, ESO happens way before. Uh, well, I think Elder yeah. Scrolls Online has the, the one ability that the other games do not, and that is to make them less sympathetic. Um to make them kind of like, you know, how everybody hates the High Elves because of the Thalmor. I think the ESO has the ability to show the Dunmer people in the height of their, their Dunmeri culture, uh, you know, with emphasizing, you know, the slave trade, with emphasizing, you know, the xenophobia um, of the area, the, the arrogance associated with, you know, the, the living gods, um, that all the other games, you know, any future ESO games or any future Elder Scrolls games are not going to be able to show because they're going to have to show them in a sympathetic, uh, a blighted people's, you know, frame. Hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, it'd be interesting to see if they do that. I mean, it can... It would be one of those things where uh, they have to make the balance because... They're trying not to make any of the races the out-and-out villains of the uh, of the game, but so it would be, it would take a lot of care to to balance that out. To be fair, from things that you see in uh, in Black Marsh and ESO, it's it, the Aldmeri Dominion really are come across as a bit of the villains of the game from some of the stuff you see in that uh, in that zone, but. Yeah, I mean, with some balance, they can. I think that they could make them the the arrogant slavers that we know that they are at this time period. Like again, at the height of their of their power, um, without then also making them, you know, so reprehensible that no one wants to play a dark elf. Yeah, they've got. um, I think. uh, I think Elder Scrolls Online and. 
the future of the series has has a very interesting um, uh, duality going on here, where you've got you've got some very uh, certain you've got some very uh, definitive events that happen after Elder Scrolls Online um, that that t- can turn um, villains into the the Ultima and the uh, the Dark Elves into into heroes. And then you've got some events that happen after uh, before Elder Scrolls Online and during it that ter- that that have the flip flop, uh, the the reverse. You know that the Altmer uh, are are regarded as heroes, and that the Dark Elves are are seen to become um, are are seen to be you know evil an evil race. You know slavers and all that. Um, the reason why I bring that up is because with with. Um, you know, the Elder Scrolls games are sort of like, you know, burst damage. One comes out and bam, everyone's on it. They love it. It's so much fun. And then it just sort of dies out a little bit. Um, with Elder Scrolls Online, that game is is uh, consistently played. It is the persistent um, uh, story that, that, uh, that people interact with on a daily basis for years to come. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you have a single-player game coming out, Elder Scrolls Six, when that finally comes out, it's going to happen a long time away from the events in Elder Scrolls Online, and things are going to be completely different. And it's very interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how, how an audience who's been playing the Elder Scrolls games sees Elder Scrolls Online, then from Elder Scrolls Online playing ESO, and the events of ESO going, you know, thousand years into the future, and and seeing how how things have changed in in Tamriel and with these races, and seeing what's going on in Elder Scrolls Six, and then going back to Elder Scrolls Online, seeing everything almost completely reversed after they've gotten used to it, uh, have being changed a thousand years later. <laughs> it's it's gonna. I think it's gonna create. If you're paying attention to the story, I think it's gonna create a lot of interesting uh, discussion in the community, and and maybe even like a little a little whiplash. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, could you imagine if you know? A lot of people are hoping that they go into um, you know, Black Marsh for Elder Scrolls Six. Could you imagine? You know, the you know the the, the kind of uh, you know almost like whiplash like you said you know from the fact that everybody's very sympathetic to dark elves that you know you'd go in there and you know they would be you know hated because you're getting the point of view of the argonians who for centuries had been enslaved and uh you know if you play a dark elf you know it'd be kind of like you know going into the great quarter in windhelm you know that uh yeah, you know, you're you're a refugee, and now you know you possibly even could be a slave to the people who were your slaves. That would be a really interesting way to take the game, and yeah, no, actually, they have been back in Daggerfall and further in Redguard. They were teasing something that they were going to do called the Eye of Argonia, and um, Redguard actually contains a teaser in the instruction book stating that would it gave the hint that after they were done Morrowind, they were going to do. Black Marsh. That was the hint, at least, that was sort of buried in there. So yeah. it, it actually would be interesting to see them go uh, go and do it, you know, for number six. All right. Um, <clears throat> Mike, anything else? 
other than the chat room uh, is saying that you should have named your uh, character uh, Navarwin. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why these great ideas now after the fact? It's well, because Liz, you know, is an hour behind us and slept in. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, let's uh, take a quick look here. Um, beyond that, uh, I think we're we're ready for the Sonarist archives, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's let's jump into that um, as I finally make my way into Balmora and uh, further further this quest line. I may actually do something different and try and join the Imperial Cult. Oh, I, I did that quest line. It's a fun one. Is it? Uh, also, uh, yeah. Oh, yes, definitely. Also, uh, Liz, Mike, Mark, or yeah, Mike, Mark, Varwin. I refuse to get ready for work until I get my Nello. Uh, hello. So, hi, Liz. Hi, Liz. Liz, Liz is in the chat room. Yes. And hello. <laughs> <laughs> At least for- she didn't say she refused to get to work until she gets her Jello. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so thanks for yeah thanks for thanks for coming in it's always it's always nice when she pops in because the chat room gets like all excited like oh it's liz and, <laughs> and sure enough that's what happens it's, of course of course because you know wherever liz goes a, a party is sure to follow <laughs> all right mark so oh, yeah. so um so we we saw we saw the the history of of the dark elves a little bit of of Marwind a little bit uh, we're gonna get more into that in the next you know uh, subsequent episodes from from here um so now let now let's find out a little bit about about um you know the game itself and and how it handles um how it handles Marwind and and the and the Dunmer well okay we're gonna skip arena because there's no dark elves in arena. No, there there are, but come on! By this point, I kind of think everyone's expecting me to say that. So, um, okay, well, dark elves are kind of a staple in modern fantasy. You know, you got video games, tabletop RPGs, anime, literature, and they're they're everywhere. And they, you know, uh, especially since you know Ari Salvatore came up with Driss Stewart, and I hope that I'm saying that right, but. Dark elves seem to be a, a fan favorite uh, in fantasy. You know, they're they're they all have sort of the same basic qualities. They're they're darker skin than their fair folk cousin. They they live in a hostile environment, usually underground, and they can be really cruel if not downright evil. They worship demons or dark gods, and you know, spend on everything good and holy because evil. And you can actually see some of that in the Dark Elves in the Elder Scrolls. They live in an extremely hostile environment. They they worshipped, you know, they uh, worshipped Daedra, which are seen by a lot as demons or dark gods. I mean, the ones that they've chosen to worship, except for Azura, they're not exactly what you would consider to be benevolent Daedra. Yeah, which has always really surprised me when, you know, you look at the Four Corners that they consider evil and then look who they consider good. Yeah, Boethia. Yeah. What? <laughs> Mafala. Who? <Yeah>. What? <laughs> so it, it's always interesting to look at that. And of course, you know, whenever you're you're looking at... Uh, uh, sorry? No, oh, sorry. I thought, I thought you were going to say something, Mike. No. 
Okay. Um, you know, it's also interesting that in usually in this type of thing, you always have the the uh, crap ton of unique lone wolf heroes who have broken from the dark ways of their peoples. You know, just that seems to be usually usually wielding two uh, two weapons and you know <laughs> wielding scimitars. Um, which, when you consider ESO, that dark elves have a bonus for learning how to do a wield, I think that that might be just you know a bit of a joke there. Sure, it's not dual wielding fire stabs. That's true. Can you do that yet? <laughs> <laughs> you can't. ESO is no. ruined forever. That'd be awesome if you could, though. Holy God! <laughs> oh God! <laughs> so, um, and the fact that okay, so. The the fact that we have dark elves, you know, and that they are so popular isn't it isn't surprising, and you can see why that they decided to incorporate them as a uh, a player race that way back in '94 with Arena. Um, Arena established that Morrowind was a hostile environment of fire and ash, and you know we got this is what the Dunmer looked like, but that's about it. Uh, Daggerfall added a little more to the series. Um, and there was a lot of lore that, but a lot of the lore that actually came out of that was then tossed out at later dates. Some of it is still lore, but they haven't done anything with. Uh, something that was tossed out was that they were originally called the Morshi, not Dunmer. Um, but, you know, to, I'll, I'll give an example of the stuff that there is there, but they haven't really done anything with. Uh, for example, Mike, in everything you went over, which is an extre- which is an extremely detailed explanation of their history. You left out uh, the first the first empire, um, and I'm going to open up the Daggerfall Chronicles because, as a Sonarist, I am required to have a copy. <laughs> and this was this uh, for anyone who doesn't know the Daggerfall Chronicles was the uh, the official guidebook for Daggerfall. Uh, you know, sort of hint book walkthrough type thing. It was created in-house by Bethesda with documentation from both how the mechanics work. Like I, in the last game or the last show, I actually read off one of the programming codes that is found in this book, but also some of their, their lore stuff. And page five, we actually have the Tamrielic timeline. Uh, And here we have in... First Era 240, Skyrim expands and swallows up Morrowind and High Rock. And it isn't until the Succession War in 104 that Skyrim loses High Rock again. So the, you know, this is something that we never really go into. Um, Morrowind was part of Skyrim's empire and the Dark Elves under Nordic rule for 150 years. We don't know anything about that period. Huh. There's it's nothing in Morrowind. Yeah, in Morrowind, no one comments on it. In Skyrim, no one comments on it. We just know that elves don't like Nords, and the or that Nords don't like elves, and the the Dark Elves are not are just see themselves as superior. In fact, if we go back and look at some of the stuff that you were reading, uh, Mike, it basically seems to skip directly from the creation of Resdane directly to Red Mountain. It says that the um, the Nords wanted to come in, but that, that they were driven off by the dark by the dark elves and the, the Dwemer joining up. So this is something that's it's in the lore. It, it was in the lore right at the beginning. 
but we've we've never really touched on ever since. Uh, another interesting thing in in the book in the same timeline is they don't mention Red Mountain at all, but they do mention the Morag Tong. Uh, in 324 of the Second Era, members of the Morag Tong assassinate potentate, uh, potentate Verisidushe. The Tong is outlawed forever and persecuted. They are formed secretly under the name the Dark Brotherhood. So again, you can sort of see how the lore changed over time, because if you play Morrowind, the, the Tong are not being persecuted. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're, they're actually legal. And, you know, when you read through some of the books on them, I mean, this is the only province where they still are legal. Yeah. At this point in time. And it really isn't until we get to Redguard that we begin to see the Dark Elves that we actually know take shape. And it's actually at that point that um, Morrowind becomes one of the biggest lore-breaking games in the entire series. Oh. So what do I mean by that? First of all... um, what was all that Chimer nonsense we were going on about? <laughs> okay, look. So, Redguard was the game where we were introduced to what we now see as Tamriel. And Bethesda, in their in the instruction booklet, included the first edition Guide to the Empire. It's 46 pages dedicated to nothing but explaining the setting and the vision that they had for it, going into the histories of the different provinces and the peoples. Now, again, it is written as a piece of imperial propaganda and has a Thalmor agent's liner notes. Um, and if if the imperial is missing something or is taking it out of context or is just doing some or is clearly doing something for propaganda purposes, the Thalmor agent either points it out or he sorry, he either points it out, he mocks him for mistaking it or he questions as to why is this it, you know what does it mean that this agent isn't making a comment on this so you get sort of like if there is something that is not directly as written there's generally a call out to it so you know opening it back up on the exact same page where the the agent is talking about um you know maybe the, it would be a good thing if the dark elves ended up getting ruled by the uh the empire for a bit um Two things. Okay. First, they consider themselves superior even to other elves. Uh, this is all written from the by the Imperial agent. Uh, uh, sorry, they consider the, themselves superior even to other elves, who in their estimations are effete and decadent uh, specimens of the pure elven race. This earliest human, uh, The earliest human records bearing on the subject, which must remain our best source until the archives of the high elves are open to imperial scholars, are the sagas and chronicles of the Nords. The Nords gave the region the name of Dunmerith, from being the land of the Dunmer, but in earlier ages it was called by, uh, it was called by themselves Resdane. Imperial, Imperial librarian Elba Lasky traces the foundation of the Dark Elven nation back to about to, uh, to above 3,500 3, years from the present time. Morrowind was not given its modern name until after the first eruption of Vardenfell. See sidebar Vardenfell. Okay, so then he goes on. When we first hear about the Dark Elves, they were divided into numerous petty clans, half of whom were at war with the other half at any given moment. The Nord sagas speak of Dark Elf warriors pledging themselves to any Nord chieftain who, is, who went to war with their clan's enemies, a circumstance which undoubtedly facilitated their conquest by the Nords. 
The Dark Elves appear in the written record in the First Era 416 during the War of Succession, which destroyed the First Empire of the Nords. And here's this is the important part. We see and seeking that this is this is a quote from a contemporary document for that period. And seeing that the Nords were divided and weak, the Dunmer took counsel amongst themselves and gathered together in their secret places and plotted against the kinsmen of Borgeas, and suddenly arose and fell upon the Nords and drove them from the land of Dunmerith with great slaughter. Notice, see, they said Dunmer, not Chimer. And this is a contemporary document. Uh, thus ended the first empire of men at the hand, uh, as, at the hands of the dark elves. It was not heard for an, it was not for another two centuries that we first heard of the tribunal, who perhaps arose to prominence in the ruin wrought from the first eruption of Vardenfell, which laid waste the, uh, at least half of Morrowind and led to the permanent shift of the population south towards the Dishan, a broad. Sw- uh, the broad southwestern plain, sorry, the broad southern plain, which gradually slopes down into the dismal swamps of Black Marsh. But it, be that as it may, under the tribunal cult, the dark elven clans were finally welded, wielded into one nation. Although, fi- although clan rivalry remains bitter up to this up to this day, and the clans cooperate with one another with reluctance. So, you have, you know, you you have a document that specifically says dark elf or Dunmer before. There are they are known as the Dunmer, and another thing to keep in mind is that you have an imperial agent who is taking every opportunity he can to mock elves or make them seem like lesser creatures or just basically uplift men by putting them down. You also have a Thalmor who he corrects the imperial agent on stuff about the Dwemer, so clearly he knows about this time period. But then makes no comment about what you know this divine curse. Like there's no there's no comments on it. There's they're not saying that you know something that the Dunmer did caused their 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 themselves to change. They're not saying that you know oh they they invoked the wrath of the gods. And even if the Imperial agent doesn't mention that, you would expect that the Thalmor agent would then muse about why isn't Septim's propaganda talking about this what are they planning that they wouldn't want to bring up a divine curse about the dark elves so you know you, you can see sort of there that when we got to Morrowind they decided let's change this up let's add to this history well they almost had to because um, yeah, you need to have you know they had to have this entire backstory for why the events were taking place Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Exactly. And I mean, they didn't need to add the everything with the chimer in. They could have gotten away with just having everything with the heart happens. They're now immortal gods, and go from there. The chimer was added in to add more weight to it to make the um, to make more myth, you know things more mythological, and you know more far you know the events of Red Mountain all that further reaching, and. You know, it broke the lore that they'd established beforehand, but I couldn't imagine the series without that. Yeah, and, you know, with the books, I mean, we talked a couple of weeks ago about um, the, um, um, the the Dwemer uh, book there that was made by an Imperial that talked about how uh, the woman's child 
was abducted and uh, they were they were musing on was it a Dunmer who had done it? Mm-hmm. And, oh, uh, uh, sorry, the, the stream just dropped. Yeah, I just noticed actually. Oh wait, here we go. Yeah. Seems to be going live. Yeah, there we go. Uh, that that my friends is is not my uh, my internet. That is freaking Twitch. <laughs> that right there. Shoot, and now my game crashed. <laughs> Morrowind's like you want to talk bad about all of uh, Dark Elves screw you I'm going home <laughs> um, and who all right. blame? Mark uh, go ahead and, and pick up where, where you okay. were and I'm going to well, get the, uh, the game back up you know I'll, I'll just sort of finish off I mean because really once we get to Morrowind or, or once Morrowind happens and they made these changes to the lore in order to make for a better story. And, for, you know, as a result, a lot of people came on with Morrowind and it becomes sort of the lore touchstone. Like, for example, Morrowind said that the um, said that the that the uh, Imperial province is a jungle. Now, so did the uh, first edition guide to the Empire. We get to Oblivion. They decided to change that. But it's that type of Morrowind becomes a touchstone that when something breaks what was said in Morrowind, it becomes something that can be complained about and argued over and a reason not to enjoy it. it you know, it becomes something that people take as to not enjoy the game. But the thing is, for me, Morrowind is actually what almost ruined the series completely for me. It's because I'd spent so much time invested in Daggerfall that Redguard was a huge shock because they completely changed like they changed things now they could the argument you could give it was they were now explaining the setting in better detail and making a few tweaks but then again then I got into but then you got into Morrowind and then they just changed things again and now for me as a result I kind of realized it kind of got me to the point where I realized the lore in this series changes it's the most wonderful thing about the series but it changes, it evolves. It's not a solid thing. And when something does change with it, when the Lord does break, it doesn't necessarily mean that is it is a bad thing. In fact, if anything, I feel that a lot of the best stories that they've come across, that they made or uh, the best games often have some pretty big breaks in them. You know, again, Morrowind. Why, you know, would everyone prefer to have... Uh, it's just they were always Dunmer, and or do they prefer the more epic storyline that comes along with uh, everything about the war with the Dwemer and everything at Red Mountain? And we can just sort of skip over the conquest of by the Nords. Uh, I've I've seen I've I've noticed that myself that whenever whenever lore changes in in Elder Scrolls, it's usually to to sort of flesh out a, a simple story or to to make it better. Yeah, and it's it's generally in an area that hasn't gotten a huge amount of focus to begin with. Yeah. You know, like maybe they've commented on it, but they haven't really delved into it. For example, Cyrodiil being a jungle. It's mentioned twice in one line, and then they decided, okay, well, you know what, this is going to be too difficult to do rendering game. Let's do the following and make it more temperate. We can have more rainforesty in the south. And it made for a much more interesting game. How about how about this? Black Marsh. If we ever get a game in Elder Scrolls that takes place in Black Marsh, 
be 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 prepared for a complete overhaul of everything that we think we know about Black Marsh. Oh, of course. I mean, in actually in the guide, it says that the Hist is the name of the race of uh, bipedal Argonians that we see walking <laughs> around. You know, it's not the trees. The trees are uh, now. You can put that down as the Argo- as the. Um, the Imperials, the uh, the, uh, the author didn't understand that part. But also at the same time in Redguard, the, the Argonian you meet is referred to as an it. It doesn't even have it. They don't even have genders. Mm. So and on top of it, the book also shows a more devolved looking Argonian, which supposedly supposedly the Argonian shape is chosen by the history in the same way that the moons dictate what the Khajiit looked like. You know, whether or not they decided to keep that in later lore, that's going to be an interesting thing to find out. So you're saying that some of these guys might actually be born as Kwama? It's quite possible. That would be interesting. That would be very interesting. <laughs> They're born as little lizards. They get tossed on the tree. Once they start licking, okay, that'll figure out what it'll turn into. Okay, what part of the tree did you lick? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, like, you know, I expect to see, like, if they were to go that way, to have, like, ruins... Kind of like uh, if you watched the Lord or the Hobbit movie there where they're lost in um, uh, Mirkwood where, like, you know, you've got a rodent that disappears and just is eaten by the area. Because if you read um, the one book there um, in um, where the guy has to, you know, go to Black Marsh and he's talking about how, you know, the, the Empire tried to build roads and pretty much the swamp reclaimed him. I'd expect to see, you know. We're not going to see well-trodden paths or roads or anything. We're going to see, like, ruins of, you know, those mm-hmm. kind of things as they tried to put them in, tried to make the plantations, and pretty much failed. It's it's funny because going into, again, into the guide, um, many humans still refer to this re- region by uh, that name of Black Marsh. But the elves call it Argonia after some ancient battlefield where many of their ancestors fell. And it's uh, the the um, Thalmor agent writes. Does anyone in the Thalmor know what the human is talking about? <laughs> um, but at the same time, earlier on in the book, he he writes something in the uh, margin saying, uh, "Uncle, do you remember the war with the trees?" Oh, so like, and again, even in the book, there's something about how they hint that. Um, Cyrus had been searching for the Eye of Argonia, a giant gem somehow linked to the lost city of Argonia. So, uh, yeah, here it is. Uh, um, There's a thing in the back of the book that sort of they had done done a comic to sort of explain Cyrus's backstory in Redguard. And in the very back of it, they actually have letters to the Elder Scrolls Adventures in which they faked as though you were writing to a comic. And sir, uh, guys, in issue 20, Cyrus mentions the Eye of Argonia, an artifact that sounded important. What gives? I was staying overseas during the early days of uh, their Elder Scrolls adventures, Redguard, so maybe I missed it, huh? Alan Sundry, D.C. Don't fret, Alan. You may, you haven't, you didn't miss anything about the Eye of Argonia and those issues, though you missed plenty of other stuff. Better see, uh, better get down to the comic store. Cyrus has been searching for the Eye all over Tamriel. All we can say is that it's a priceless gem that also serves as the key to the lost city of Black Marsh. Stay tuned. Ooh. So again, this is something they've teased a lot of stuff about our uh, Black Marsh that I'm sure they they can make a huge game out of. 
And again, once they actually go into that province, you're going to see things change. You know, the same way you've seen things change with them heading into uh, Valenwood. They they fleshed out the Green Pact and how things set up in, in, with that. They fleshed out Argon. Hell, they fleshed out Black Marsh more when they they went into um, uh, Stormhold. No, is it Stormhold? Yeah, it's into Swampsville in uh, in, in uh, ESO because, like, for example, we get to see an Argonian nursery at one point and learn a bit about uh, how, you know, what happens when the eggs are born. So, you know, the lore changes for the, this series, and it always does. It always will. But, you know, the, the, they're good changes for the most part. I've rarely seen a change that hurts the series in any way. Except for the Khajiit. I really miss the Khajiit. <laughs> but we'll get into that in the Khajiit episode. Right. Uh, all right. But yeah. Um, so that's that's the archives today. Cool. Excuse me while uh get a little bit of a stretch on there. <clears throat> um so finally I've made my way over to Pelagiad, Fort Pelagiad, where I could uh possibly join the the uh Imperial cult. Uh very interested about this because I know nothing about it. And you really have to because uh it's one of the only places that I've found so far where you can get your attributes restored is uh, when you pay the 35 gold pieces at uh, the table there inside the fort. That's actually one of the best part about joining the cult is you no longer have to pay that price anymore. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and actually, um, I, I played a character who uh, she had the Atronach sign. So I was playing a priestess character with the Imperial cult. And every time I came in, I, when you pray at the altar, you get your and get your attributes restored. You also get your mana refilled or your magic refilled. So I was playing this character who was a priestess who was literally getting her magicka back by praying to the gods. <laughs> Very so, classic Dungeons and Dragons. Oh yes, yeah, close, closest I've ever gotten to that in in this series. It was a nice little RP thing. Yeah. Um, speaking of RP, uh, for those of you who may not be aware of the Imperial Cult, um, I am talking with uh, Ifka in in uh, Fort Pelagian in, in Marwind, and this is what they're telling me. They're saying, uh, we accept all citizens of good character and, and earnest faith. We ask only a one-time pledge of 50 drakes to aid us in our good works. Thereafter, the only cost of membership comes when you use our health, healing, and blessed shrines. Modest fees, which help us spread the blessings of the nine to those less fortunate than ourselves. Oh, sorry. When you get to a certain rank in the cult, then it's free. Oh, okay. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. Uh, then they ask, do you wish to join the Imperial Cult, or would you rather I review the Imperial Cult requirements and doctrines with you before you join? So let's let's take a look at the, the requirements. They say, to, uh, to serve and glorify the nine divines, you must cultivate a noble personality and a strong will. Respect the magical arts, especially the colleges of restoration, mysticism, conjuration. Uh, those who swear to avoid bloodshed, to take the, the field unarmored, to fight only with blunt weapons, are especially praiseworthy. Knowledge of enchantments and the gift of diplomatic speech are other qualities we look for in our initiates. 
All right, so this actually sounds like something that um, I probably shouldn't join. Um, our doctrines are simple. We acknowledge the, the divinity of the Nine Divines, Akatosh, Debella, R.K., Zenithar, Marist, Dendar, Kinnereth, Julianos, and Tiber Septum. Uh, we preach the nine virtues, humility, inspiration, piety, work, compassion, justice, ambition, learning, and civility. Our emperor is the defender of the faith, and the empire is the worldly working of the divine plan. We pledge aid and comfort to all citizens in need and serve the emperor and empire at his will. So here, here's the thing, all right? I'm thinking about not joining this now because um, I don't use Restoration, Mysticism, Conjuration. I use Restoration a little bit, but really um, Destruction spells and uh, Longblade are my, my main focuses here. Um, they're, they're saying you got to use Blunt Weapons too. Let me just double check my character portrait. Uh, just to sort of see if I even have that. You can always join. It's just it. It means that you have you won't be able to go up in ranks until you hit certain you know benchmarks with these skills. Yeah, and that see blunt weapon is a minor skill of mine. So if I really focus on that in order to level up in the cult, I'm doing so at at the the cost of leveling myself up. Yeah. Yep. Plus, I'm also going to be wearing you know heavy armor. Uh, so this this actually would not be favorable for me. It would it would take l longer to. Um... Maybe. Now the only thing would be is you know you get the discount on the blessings if you did join. Yeah. And just you know you wouldn't you know you'd be a member in name only type of thing. Yeah. Maybe the maybe. best thing to do is to actually join the Imperial Legion. Yeah. Or maybe even uh, you might want to take a look at the. Um... I'm sorry. Um, the Tribunal Temple. I believe you can join that as well. Okay. So I mean, they might they might be better as to what you're looking for. Now they're saying here that uh, to enjoy to join the Imperial Legion, I got to go to Nis. Mm hmm. All right. So we'll uh, make our way up there. Actually, you know, that's that's another interesting point for the, uh, when it comes to lore changing. Um, the guide has a hand sketched drawing of Velocity or Velothi uh, dust merchants leaving this on sand striders, and I'll I'll you know what I'll scan it and uh, post the picture on Twitter. Um, but the actual picture of Nis shows all these tall towers and whatnot. Uh, just like a really clustered, very dense city with all these huge tall towers. And I somehow doubt that that's changed completely in 400 years. So, again, it was this is an example of just how what they had initially planned in one changed faced with the the story, tell, story they wanted to tell and the technical limitations that they had when they were actually putting the game together. Right. Um, okay, well, uh, we're going to start uh, to close out the show in just a few minutes. Um, we've got a couple of things that we want to cover first, and uh, foremost among them is our fast question of the week. So among the among the uh, the stormy clouds and the rain here in Morrowind, we ask ourselves, and we'll go with Mike and then Mark. Yes or no, and then we'll elaborate. Do you play as a dark elf, Mike? Yes. Mark. Yes. I don't. 
Um, so, Mike, how come you do play as a dark elf? So, uh, I'm playing as a dark elf uh, in ESO and in Morrowind, uh, mainly for role-playing reasons. So, uh, you know, in ESO, it's I'm a wandering um, caravaner that uh, is out and trading. Uh, in uh, Morrowind, you know, uh, the reincarnation of the Nerevarine, I wanted to be a dark elf for reincarnation purposes. Okay, what about you, Mark? Um, I don't play dark elves a lot, but whenever I am, so, or play elves a lot, but whenever I am sort of in the mood and I'm not going orc, I go with the dark elves. I find that they've got a an interesting history. Like, I like their history. I like the background to them. Um, I, you know, I just, I, and especially once you get to Skyrim, I find that they've got such a, you know, even more of an interesting role-playing opportunities to have with them. Uh, and just, I don't know, they, 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 they're, the, especially post, um, especially in Skyrim, they've become so separated from what is the traditional fantasy view of a dark elf that they're just, they're more interesting to me. Mm. I'll tell you what, um, I asked this question because I am becoming a lot more interested in the other races of Tamriel, and the dark elves are, are among them. You know what's great about dark elves is, is that they've got some, some very, uh, depending on the game, um, some very good racial passives. Um, resistance to fire seems to be one that's persistent in all of the games, though. Um, yeah. But I don't normally play as a dark elf. Uh, usually when I when I create a character in Elder Scrolls, it's, it's a Nord. Um, but even that, I think, is, is going to be changing. Um I think, you know, obviously I, my, my preferred play style is, you know, restoration magic, heavy armor, sword shield, and a two-handed weapon as a backup. Um, <clears throat> and I try and, uh, you know, get as close to, to a, uh, a paladin uh, character as I can with that build. Um, which- so next time Paul Sage comes on, we should ask him if the mullet for the Dark Elf is coming out. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Dark Elf mullet. Um, Had to do it. <laughs> actually, I think I'm wearing as uh, I, I, I think I'm wearing as something as close to a mullet as you could possibly get on a Dark Elf in this game. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, um, so there's that. Um, but uh, even that's going to be changing because I think um, Bretons just sort of handle those those gameplay options a lot better than Nords do. Now, when it comes to to you know playing um, know, like a fighter type of, of character, um, I am I have started a dark elf here and there, and I've been very pleasantly surprised by by uh, what they what they do uh, in the game. So, all right, um, emails, emails and tweets. Uh, we've got an email this week, and uh, Mike, we have a. We haven't heard from you in a little bit, so uh, would you mind would you mind reading our email, please? Okay. Uh, so, greetings from the Netherlands. Hello. I always really enjoy your show. There are two things I'd like to tell you guys about. First is about total conversion of other games to the Tamriel universe. While I listen to your show, I play Crusader Kings 2 with the Elder Kings mod. And he puts a link here for Elder Kings. And I am very excited about Medieval 2, Total War mod, The Elder Scrolls, Total War. 
another link there. Uh, you guys really need to see the trailer. It is awesome. I thought maybe this kind of total conversion mod could be a subject in one of your shows. Second, recently I became aware of a Daggerfall remake in Unity. And he had a link there. The world looks stunning. Hope beautiful. Hope you guys like this kind of information. Good luck with the show. El Nada. Yeah, I think uh, I think it, it's obviously a, a very uh, foreign name for us. So, but I, I think it's uh, yeah, was it El El Nada? El Nada. El Nada. Yeah. yeah. We went back and forth on this last night, yes. trying to figure out where to put the uh, how to pronunciate. Yeah, pronunciate it. Yeah. Oh no. <laughs> oh, those sl- those Slavic languages. Well, sl- pronounce. Never mind. Pronunciate. Ignore me. Um. So I hope I didn't butcher the name, but. So, so conversion mods. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I'm trying to like. I'm trying to gather my thought on this one. Um. Other games doing complete and total conversions over to, to Elder Scrolls, I I gotta say, is is really kind of cool. You've got Crusader Kings in there. They've, they've you know, there's a mod there that they do a total conversion over. And he mentioned something else too. Uh, total War, total uh, Medieval War. Two, Total War. Yeah, Total War as well. Um, that's that's cool. That's that is definitely cool. That that fandom for the Elder Scrolls persists even even in other games, and they they seek to do um, mods just for that. And um, I think that's I like that. That's that's uh, that's pretty that's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, uh, but he also mentioned the Unity remake, and oh, I, I've been I've been keeping an eye on that. That looks so good. You know, I mean, we're talking about. Um, Daggerfall no longer occurs on a flat plane out when you're in the wilds. You know, the, the land actually has curvature and you can see hugely into the distance and you can see towns from the outside and like the lights change as the night go, as it goes night. And oh, yeah, looking forward to that one. That sounds uh, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of these you know everybody has their favorite coding engine um and uh you know the systems engine and so you know you've got these um modders that probably work for other companies and you know are very familiar with the engines and so you know it's something that they do in their 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 hobbies like you know we podcast and stuff like that these guys probably go in and you know convert uh the elder scrolls into one their favorite engine is yeah so that's really cool that you know they do that because it gives a different perspective different game style yeah if we can um if we can do uh uh i guess uh another stream of of like some of daggerfall gameplay with that that unity um that unity build that would be really cool Oh yeah, I mean it's probably going to be a bit before it comes out, but uh, yeah, like he's he's converting the entire game into uh, this new engine, which it doesn't change the graphics, it doesn't change any of the quests or anything else. Uh, it changes some things, like you can now dual wield properly the way people would expect you to be able to, and a couple of convenience items. But for the most part, it's more just the game world feels a bit more it doesn't feel as flat and cut and paste as it some kind sometimes can it feels more alive and just, so it allows you to climb ladders 
Uh, never said that. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can hump walls until you climb them, but... Yes! yes! <laughs> I would love that. Oh, well. oh, God, yes. God, if we never have another stream like that, it'll be too soon. <laughs> <laughs> I completely forgot about cursor mode for some reason. Oh, man. That was funny, though. Oh, it was. I finally turned the cursor on and clicked on the ladder. I was like, really? <laughs> really? That, that, that's it. That's, that's, that's all, what it took. That's all that was required. <laughs> all right, guys. Um, I I believe uh, I believe that's that's the show. And yeah. uh, none too soon, because as soon as I tabbed out of Marwind, I believe it just crashed again. Oh, jeez. <laughs> It's just, look, it, you know, these games are not well, for streaming, unfortunately. At least it's Morrowind that's, that had crashed and not, you know, modern stuff like, you know, Twitch. Right, right. I mean, we expect Morrowind and Daggerfall to have some issues with stability, but, you know, Twitch was down for me for almost half an hour during the show today. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, um, I, I got to apologize to our, our video uh, our video viewers. You know, um, we're doing everything we can in order to work through these these um, these issues. And if it's you know taken down your enjoyment um, of the of the of the video, we 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 apologize. You know, we try and you know produce the highest level of quality uh, that we can with our our equipment and time. Um, you know, sometimes sometimes things happen. So, all right, guys. Um, Final thoughts, starting with Mike. So it's looking like the sun's coming out uh, in New York, so I'm hoping that it's going to be a good day, and I'm hoping to you know, finish my grading for my class and uh, jump on to do some uh, gameplay myself today. Oh, uh, maybe uh, a continuation of the Dark Brotherhood? Uh, possibly. I don't know. i got to check with the wife to see, you know. It's oh, one okay. thing to play, you know, while everybody's downstairs. It's another thing to sequester myself away in the guest room uh, podcasting. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hear you. Um, okay, I thought that's what you were leading into. I didn't mean to... Uh, I was hoping. We, we can always hope. <laughs> uh, what about your Mark? Final thoughts. Oh, um, honestly, it's great to go over the Dark Elves. I mean, they're, they've got such a, an interesting... They have such an interesting uh, story behind them, and it, it's frankly, it's great to get into Morrowind again. I mean, I've recently, until before my computer died on me, I had gone back and started playing it again, and I was, I, I was getting an, impreci- an appreciation of the game I didn't originally have in that first time through. You know, in the first couple of times I played, I, you know, I'm, I guess, so doing this show has really sort of helped me. Be, a, be able to appreciate some things in the games that I had found annoying my first time through or just, you know, appreciate where it comes from. Um, as for what I'm up to today, I'm going to be trying to get finish getting my computer up and running. I've still got a lot of different things to get uh, loaded up and debug and everything, including the, uh, I got to get, remind me, remind me to get the streaming information from you of Arwen. As, as bad as uh, Twitch can be, um, I need all the the permissions and whatnot loaded back up. Yeah, sure, no problem. We'll take care of that right after the show. But yeah, all right. Um, hey, great, great episode. Um, Mike, Mark, fantastic job as always. Uh, I appreciate you guys. Um, you know, doing the the lion share of the uh, the notes as as you do each week now. Um, you know, it uh, it's it's uh, you guys do wonderful work. Um, I'm looking Thank forward you. to the next yeah, couple. Fun to of do. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, 
looking forward to the next couple of episodes uh spending time in in Marwind. it's not a game i'm i'm um i'm familiar with the game i have some experience in it but uh i'm hoping that this uh deepens my my knowledge of the game certainly after today i have a much deeper uh knowledge of of the uh the the dark elves and of the game thanks to to you fine gentlemen um listeners and uh and viewers thank you so much for tuning in but um maybe maybe the platform you're you're listening to or viewing this right now is uh is is uh not not 100 percent for you and you'd like to find out where else you can you can listen well we're on itunes uh, we're on Stitcher Radio. Uh, if you have a an Android phone, you can download the the Stitcher app from the Google Play Store, and it's a free app. And you can find us by doing a quick search for Elder Scrolls Off the Record. Um, you can listen there. Uh, QuestGamingNetwork.com. If you go to our website, click on Podcast, you'll you'll find us right there as well. Um, YouTube as well. If you if you're listening and you want to see what this looks like uh, with all the all the gameplay uh, in front of you, uh, YouTube.com/slash/QuestGamingNetwork. And uh, if you're looking for information, hey, you know what? We're on Twitter. You can follow us. Uh, all of the all of the hosts. We're on Twitter. You could follow Mike at KDR Mickey. That's K D R M I C K E Y. Mark is at Carnegie Wolf. C A R N A G A N W O L F E. And you can follow me at Avarwin, that's E-V-A-R-W-Y-N, and this show at Elder Scrolls O-T-R. It's Elder Scrolls O-T-R. And uh, hey, if you're if you're an Elder Scrolls Online fan um, and you're looking to join one of our one of our guilds, there's three factions in Elder Scrolls Online. Uh, we have a guild in each one of them. Follow follow us on Twitter at ESOTR Guilds. And uh, send us a message. Hey, you know this is uh, this is my at name in, in ESO. Uh, looking for an invite to uh, your AD, your EP, your DC guild, uh, whatever that happens to be. I want to join in. Big fan of uh, what you guys do. Hey, no, no problem. There you go. There's we'll we'll circle up with you. We'll find a way to to uh, get you in the guild at uh, your earliest convenience, of course. And that's at ESOTR Guilds. Uh, Classic Elder Scrolls is a Quest Gaming Network production, and uh, gentlemen, time to say goodbye. Let's uh, let's let's start with Mike. Have a good day, everybody, and uh, hopefully it's a good week for everybody. And we'll see you with the next uh, episode of ESOTR this week and Classic in two weeks. And Mark. Uh, yeah, everyone enjoy the weekend and uh, the coming week. Thanks for coming. Uh, really glad uh, we had a very busy chat room tonight or today. Uh, and, uh, you know, every Monday at about 930, I try to do a or I do a um, streaming of the game Red Guard. Uh, we have an archive of the episodes I've done on YouTube. If you want to go check that out, um, it's pretty, uh, pretty fun, fun run. Uh, this week might not do it or I might do something different just because uh, I'm kind of, you know, everything's been screwed up with my computer dying on me. But uh, yeah, definitely come and join me. You can find us right here on twitch.tv slash questgamingnetwork, 9.30 Mondays, Eastern Standard Time. Now you're saying you're uh, you're taking this week off of Red Guard for that, right? Yeah, I may okay. do a bit of an ESO stream with a character designed based on one of the, the interesting characters you meet in Red Guard. But we'll, we'll see. Like, it depends on what's up tomorrow. That, that I think actually would be good for us because we're, we're an episode behind on, on um, 
on YouTube, and I think what's going to happen is this week, uh, today actually, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and get this out plus um, uh, Red Guard Episode 7 as well, and this way next week when you're ready to do 8, we'll be all caught up and, and ready to go. Okay, sounds good. Okay, this way the listeners don't uh, they don't see any sort of delay, and um, you know you can you know take your time as well. And I'll be able to rip more audio clips uh, from Clavicus uh, Vile. Oh, you mean? You mean, you mean <laughs> oh, that'll be fun. Like ones like this. Oh, so much better. <laughs> so much better. <laughs> All right, guys, viewers and listeners alike, thank you so much for tuning in. Take care, everyone. Be safe. And as always, may the force be with you.